Here we go, everybody. Look at that smooth transition. It makes everything so much easier when I don't put music on these things. But let me spot my light myself real quick while I do the intro. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and co-hosting with me, as always, is the lovely Rosalind Paris. Hi! Hi, Roz. I'm prepared for you. Um, you can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on most podcast platforms. If you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size or following us on social media using the links in the description. Uh, here with us today, we have Rachel Rothenberg. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Uh, Rachel has been doing stand-up for four and a half years in Salt Lake City, Utah. She produced a series of all-women shows at Wise Guys Comedy Club in downtown Salt Lake City called Dumb Broads in 2019 and early 2020 before creating The Panda Mic, originally the social distancing online comedy open mic on March 10th, 2020. She is now producing outdoor socially distant shows in Salt Lake City with her friend and fellow comedian uh, Jordan Harris. You can find her on Instagram at the underscore comedic underscore stylings underscore of. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, let me unspotlight myself, go back to gallery view, and jump right into the questions. Ayo, hey, questions. We love them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. I, I've prepared the void and, and I'm ready to laugh into it. <laughs> That's that's good. That's helpful. I, I rarely give it any warning, so that's probably more courtesy than uh, I give it on a normal basis. But um, so the first and last question we kind of ask of every guest on the show, and I feel like it normally gives like me a, at least a pretty good sense of like uh, the person in general. But the first question is, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform? Um... Well, let's, I, I actually, you know, I, you did, I did see these questions before and I didn't think of an answer. In advance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, I think, I think it's kind of, um, the juxtaposition is that I'm a fancy person. I have a tendency to wear, you know, red lipstick and fancy dresses and things on stage. And then I like to say things that are pretty depraved. Um, that's something that I enjoy doing. I also really like wordplay. That's a huge, huge, huge part of what I like to do. Uh, definitely, uh, word jokes and puns and that kind of stuff for sure. But I think, um, ultimately a lot of it comes down to just saying kind of demented things, um, in a, in a clever enough way that I can get away with it. Nice. I can get behind that. <laughs> I was like, for, uh, yeah, that was a very apt description. Um, from the times that I've seen you perform, that's very accurate. Um, so um, kind of getting into a little bit about your background um, with, you know, comedy and just in general. I know you grew up in Connecticut. Um, yes. So uh, before moving to Salt Lake City, um, do you feel like growing up in Connecticut initially kind of had an influence on your comedy or your upbringing on your comedy style? And if so, how? Um, yeah, I would say so insofar as it gave me the sort of 
voice that I have, like like literally the voice in the sense that I speak like a person from Connecticut. I have <laughs> the inflection of a person <laughs> who was raised to speak quote unquote well. Um, I I, you know, I got a certain type of education in a certain type of place. The place that I'm from is actually the town that Stepford was based on. That is a true fact. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and also, I think, I mean, certainly there's also the fact that um, I was always a weird person there. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't really fit in and I never really knew why. I never really knew what was wrong with me aside from being Jewish, I guess. But like beyond that, there was something else up, which was just that I, you know, I was never the pink and green polo shirt wearing preppy girl. Like I was, I was always kind of an outcast and a weird person. And it forced me to develop a sense of humor, I think, to a degree. And also um, it just caused me to, to hang out with, with funnier people who didn't fit in. And um, beyond that, I think, I mean, I think even though I've been in Utah for 10 years, I haven't picked up the accent. I still talk like a snob from <laughs> Connecticut. Um, and I think that the fact that I talk like a, a snob from Connecticut with, and, and the fact that I speak a lot faster than people from Utah is a huge part of my standup as well. So like, um, I, I know how to talk very, very quickly and condense a lot of words into a short period of time and space. So <laughs> I don't know, I, I have kind of a, a Connecticut accent kind of thing. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, so like kind of going off of that, um, do you feel like then, okay, I'll ask this question off script. Um, but like, how do you feel like maybe not the quality of your standup? Cause obviously after four and a half years, like you're bound to get better at standup just for doing it more times. Um, oh but between, <laughs> yeah, right? Hopefully. Yeah, um, hopefully. Do you find that like the like content or the topics that you address in your comedy have also shifted with that? And maybe has uh, living in Salt Lake City had some part on that influence? Um, not really. <laughs> Which is probably, <laughs> probably the wrong answer, but, but like only because- If it's um, true, it's the right answer. <laughs> right, um, because I've only ever done stand up in Salt Lake City. Mm. I have never done it in Connecticut. I never did it when I was there. I wish that it had been something that I discovered sooner, but I mean, I, I even if I had discovered it sooner, I didn't live in Connecticut past the age of 18. I moved to Utah for college and um, you know, my many, many failures post high school have all taken place in Utah. So um, as, as for the, the topics, like I wish that I could say that I would be one of those people who has like matured as a comedian and become adept at talking about topics that are not taboo and ridiculous and over the top and gross. But like, I honestly haven't, like I am just getting better at doing that type of material because that's what I like to do. Um, but I will say, I mean, if anything, I think being in Utah has driven me more in that direction because more poop yeah yeah because because it's the alternative to the clean that is what you're supposed to do where i live now so i live in the clean comedy capital of the world right and i have tried and tried to clean it up and make it something different and ultimately i conclude that i get the most laughs when i don't do that <laughs> and so i think if anything it's it's caused me to rebel against it. 
and be the obstinate idiot that I normally am, you know, that I have been in Connecticut, that I have been in Utah. Like I, I never want to do what everyone else is doing. So, so Utah, if anything has made me into a real sicko and I need to get out. <laughs> no, it's good. It's reaffirmed who you were already. It sounds like. I guess. Also, too, I think like the gross, like taboo subjects, like poop or whatever are kind of like universally funny. Yeah. Like, one of my friends has a kid who's on the autism spectrum and he's just recently discovered like butts are funny okay. so like he, he'll do things like hide my friend's phone down the back of his pants and stuff like that he's like ah i'm funny now you know like just or and he is <laughs> I, I have not wrong who, uh, taught english in china and she said whatever her class wouldn't pay attention she would use the examples to be about poop and everyone thought it was so funny and they'd start yeah. paying attention again. So in a way you're speaking the international language of comedy. Right. And <laughs> you know, when, and it's not, it's not, I mean, I, I said something about poop prior to the show. I shouldn't have, you know, it's not her only material. And, and I, and, and a lot of, a lot of the scatological humor that I've done certainly in the past comes from the fact that I have, immensely troubled digestive parts and i have to laugh at that like there there has to be something funny about it otherwise i will just be suffering but um but i mean beyond that it's like in utah it's like being taboo and being raunchy is also a way to frankly like stand out mm. you know and i mean it's not a good way to get booked <laughs> um it's not it's not a good way to get spots opening for the widest variety of people and i am aware of that and and i really honestly truly have tried to to be clean yeah and and i respect the hell out of anybody who can and does it's just not what i find myself best at so no and i feel like that's important too because you know if you're pushing yourself towards doing this like material that you're not comfortable with at yeah. the end you really like not being authentic to who you are and i the audience can always sense that like anytime the comic's trying to pull one over on them um so it's good it's good that you know who you are um yes. and speaking of knowing who you are let me say some words that you've said before uh, so in an interview back in 2019 with slug mag you say i spent a really long time overcoming stage fright I straight up blacked out from anxiety, no alcohol, just fear for the first year and a half that I did stand up every time I did it. Yeah. So with that sort of uh, reaction, what made you keep going back show after show and what motivates you to pursue comedy if it, you know, causes this feeling? Um, I think... I mean, the simplest answer is probably masochism. Uh, <laughs> but I think more so, like, I alluded to the fact that I tried a lot of things and I failed at all of them. Um, Stand-up, wh while very painful for a long time, was the only thing that I could seem to tangibly get better at after mm -hmm. having tried so many things where I just, I just bombed, you know, like to use the language that is now very familiar to me. Like I, I, I originally went to college for 
English and various liberal arts and I basically failed out. Like I, I was a horrible, horrible student in college. And then I went to a different college to study fashion and I had a fashion show that, you know, there was a deadline and I was supposed to have made like 10 garments and I ended up sending unfinished garments down the runway. It was horrible, absolutely humiliating stuff. Like, I mean, and to that extent, I was used to feeling humiliated. Like I was used to- Which is a big part of comedy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it was just like after, after years and years of just fucking up, can I say that? I don't know if I can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. This um, is not a child-friendly yeah. podcast. We forget to clarify that all the time. <laughs> no, I don't it's need not... to. I mark it as explicit on Twitch and uh, yeah. the podcast, so but fine. But, like, I just, I don't know. I think it was just something where I tried it and it immediately resonated with me, even though it made me miserable at first. And I was really, really terrible. And And you have to understand also that, like, when you're blacking out fully from anxiety every time you do it, it's very difficult to get better, especially when it comes to your delivery. Mm -hmm. So that forced me to focus on the writing and get really, really obsessed with correcting the writing and, and you know, filming every set and watching it and going through the phrasing and, and picking apart the jokes so that, like, when I would sort of, like, read almost the jokes i would have something that would still get a laugh even though my delivery was abysmal mm -hmm. right and so i got better and better and better at the joke writing and i could not work on my delivery until literally like two years in and even now i think my writing is light years ahead of my delivery although i'm I, it is catching up eventually mm -hmm. um what is that uh process kind of like because uh, we love to ask comedians on the show too like kind of what their writing process is so when you talk about that kind of dissecting process what are you looking for in your jokes uh to kind of like either kick out or throw in to kind of improve it um i think for me it's it's very 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 much editing um it's very much a word puzzle to me so when i listen back to a set i pick it apart and i pick it apart and I try to get it to be as funny as possible in as few words as possible, which is partially partially why I'm really, really drawn to one-liners and word jokes and puns and things like that. But also, um, if, if I can't fit it into as few words as possible, then I just talk faster. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed <laughs> with the timing. I'm obsessed with, like, getting getting as many laughs per minute as I can possibly get. I was about to say, like, laughs per second or laughs per minute. That yeah. I sometimes, like, am drawn to as, like, a data-driven person. Like, I want my yeah. statistics <laughs> for my set to be high. I don't yeah. know if that relates at all. Definitely. Um, it's almost like a vaudeville style, it sounds like. You know, like, I mean, you mentioned that you can talk really fast and you uh, have the Connecticut enunciation ability. Um, yeah. You know, and like back in the day, that was like the the whole vaudeville delivery. So, yeah, how well, that's like your natural flow when you're when you're writing. Yeah, I think that's not. I've never thought of it that way, but I mean <laughs> that that's kind of that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Um, I definitely just think like I I I am not. I'm very like obsessive about. If, if, if I don't get a laugh in like 30 seconds, I, I hate myself. Like it's, it's really very, I'm very hard on myself with this. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to like impose anything on you, but it sounds like there's a little bit of like a, a sadness kind of connected to your relationship with comedy. Would that be like out of left field to say? 
no, but I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I don't think the fact that it it's painful for me to do it to a degree is a negative thing because it's also something that has literally forced me to confront my my terror of failure, you know, like mm. I used to absolutely be a, a truly miserable person because I could not confront my fear of failure and I kept failing. And and with stand up it's like sometimes you bomb you know, and sometimes you, you know, I used to, to bomb and want to, you know, walk in front of a train, but like, I had to get over it. I had to, because otherwise I couldn't keep doing it. And like, it's made me into a much, much more, um, I don't know, I, I, maybe a much less sensitive person, but it's, it's made me into like, I'm still, I'm still a sensitive person, but it's made me into a much more I've, I've gotten a much thicker skin, I guess, is sort of the way to put it. Yeah. Durable. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's also a word uh, yeah. to describe the same thing. But, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's um, that's really interesting. So did um, community play a role at all for you? Because I felt like, at least for me, that was something uh, originally from improv. Obviously, like, the failing as a, like, means towards success is, like, a big principle in that. And yeah. I've also noticed with that and with comedy, it's really helpful, too, when you have those bombing moments. Like, even on Displaced Comedians earlier today, I think someone posted about, like, what's your advice for bombing? And the fact that, like, everybody had something because everybody has bombed before was really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have yeah. you ever experienced that kind of, like, camaraderie with the community that way? Um, well, well you know, I, I've made more friends through doing comedy than I have through doing anything else I've ever done. But I'm, I am still nonetheless, I think an outcast, even in my local community, just because I am sort of a solitary person and sort of, um, I don't know. I, I struggle with getting along with people because I'm awkward and I don't always know how to be. Um, I think in terms of camaraderie, like, I, I love the fact that everybody who does stand up has some reason why they do it, you know? I, I like I love the fact that um you know, we're all pursuing the same feeling and the same thing and I think that that's just so cool. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, comedians are the most like me of anybody I've ever met, but I still even in that feel like a weird person and I don't ever know how to this is, this is kind of a downer. But, <laughs> no, that's but, fine. Uh, this isn't like a yeah. jokey joke podcast either. Yeah. So feel free to go there. It sounds like you're kind of like um, finding a little bit like of being at peace, even as yeah. the outcast of a group of comedians, which are already kind of outcasts from society themselves. Right. And I mean, I think, I think people do like outcast of outcast. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think people have come to respect me to a degree, which is better than friendship. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, no I, I do. I do have friends. My best friends in the world, I think are comedians. My best friends in the world are comedians, but it's only like, it's only like five people, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's not a big group of people that I, can ever seem to get along with simultaneously <laughs> but you know like i i don't know i think i think that um it's it's important to me that the people in my local community know that i'm competent and mm -hmm. and know that i 
am able to do whatever I do well. And, and, you know, even if it's not what I'm supposed to be doing, like clean, you know, corporate PC, <laughs> PC commercial. <culture>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to be like an edgelord either, but you know, I just, I, I think it's important for people to think my ideas are good too, which was, which has been a big thing with online comedy. Let me tell you, mm. because no one in Utah does online comedy. Like like two people out of Utah do it. Um, and everybody else, everybody else thinks it's a fake thing and nobody should do it. So I don't know, maybe they don't respect me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they should, because uh, Panda Mike is like, at least from what I've seen, one of the most successful like online mics that happened during the pandemic. And, uh, and just, for the record, it sounds like at least as far as documentation we can find is yeah. the longest running, uh, was the longest running it Zoom was. mic until it ended. Yeah, It was, yeah. I had to end it though, so it would have a positive, um, people would have a positive memory of it. Like yeah. I wanted to do, like, I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you're like a Seinfeld freak like I am, but like I was, when I ended it, I was thinking of like George Costanza when he's like, He's like, I got to go out on a high note. He's like in a meeting and like he says a good line and he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I could yeah. feel that things were like in decline and I was like, I got to get out while it's good. I, I don't want this thing to peter out. I don't want it to suck. I want it to, to always be like a positive memory. Well, that yeah, being so, said, I mean, that's um, part of the creative process too yeah. is like knowing yeah. when to end things, you know? Like, yeah. It's probably, I would say, probably maybe one of the hardest things when it's like, your baby and you're like you know yeah. you just have to read into the rhythm of whether or not it's time to end it or not i for one yeah. have definitely not learned how to like create boundaries between myself and my art so that is uh sounds like you're further ahead than me um but yeah it's um it's, yeah it's a lot of layers i feel like um it's also but you haven't like kind of completely turned away from the comedy scene either because there's also yeah. come uh Remind me how it's said. It's like comma comedy or is it comedy? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So comma comedy is a project that is still in the beginning stages. It's been in the beginning stages for like a couple months because we're trying to figure out how to do it. Mm. But essentially the logic behind it is that we're going to start doing stuff on Twitch. The objective is to acquire an audience, which is not just comedians. And um, which that, is hard. Yeah. 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 That's been one of my main... Um, I don't want to say beefs, but one of my main uh, concerns with Zoom comedy has been the fact that, like, in the course of a year, we have made no progress, in my opinion, in terms mm -hmm. of acquiring a non-comedian audience to watch comedy online. So, you know, I, I tried it, I did it, I've done it all in that respect, but, like, ultimately, Twitch is where people watch stuff, and YouTube yeah. is where people watch stuff, and... Zoom shows are simply not attracting, you know, quote unquote, civilian audiences. So I was like, well, we have to go where people are going to watch stuff and we have to make the kind of content that people are going to watch. So the, the idea behind comma is that hypothetically, um, if we can all get our acts together, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to try to create like non non literal stand up content. So so it won't be like trying to sort of squeeze the stand up format into an online format. Mm -hmm. in the way that I think I was really, really strongly trying to do before. And it's it's sort of going away from that format and trying to do something different. 
So, but still giving comedians opportunities to do interesting interactive shows with audiences and, and, uh, and hope, hopefully if we can create enough interesting content, we can get people to watch it, you know? Yeah, no, it sounds really interesting. It sounds really cool. And I've definitely experienced that through like producing shows on my end. It's like, God, it's, it's not a bringer, but like, can it be just for like a show, Right. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh. It, it it is like everybody who's at the shows is doing a set later on and then leaves after their set. I twitch, I twitch. Um, <laughs> so that's yeah. Good to and say. there's also, I mean, there's also too like with with us doing internet comedy. You know, we're all in a screen and we're so programmed by TV and movies and stuff. Like, um, one I had like one class in college about media and they said if you count the seconds by how long the, the screen is focused on a shot, there's rarely a single shot being held for more than three seconds on TV. Right. Yeah. It's like switch up, switch up, switch up. So like our brains are so used to the, like the constant action that yeah, yeah. this format is hard to control someone's <laughs> yeah. attention. Well, so and it's, it's interesting like, too, cause like that's yeah. why I've seen so many comedians being successful on platforms more like TikTok, where it's like yeah. three seconds and then you gotta swipe, like get out of yeah. here. We need the next joke. Um, but yeah. kind of getting back to you and to live comedy, um, I wanna talk a little bit about, um, you performed a while back on a show called Psycho Babble, uh, yeah. which featured a lineup of comedians with mental illnesses, What's your experience uh, with mental illness been in relationship to your comedy? And of course, like, feel free to only provide as much detail as you're comfortable with sharing. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> influence and it's the part of your life. It's the part of your act. Yada yada. Well, okay, yeah. So I, um, I have. Well, I am a person who has been diagnosed with and benefits from medication for bipolar disorder. Um, I. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm a bipolar person, right? But like I I I take medication for bipolar disorder. It helps me to be a more functional person. Um, I was on lithium for I believe five years, and I was very very sleepy. And uh, during that time, I was not not good at comedy either. I mean, I, I was a mess. <laughs> um, and then, frankly, I got on different medication, like about two and a half years ago now. Um, I'll plug it, Abilify, great stuff. Uh, and- <laughs> New sponsor, oh God. Yeah, Abilify, <laughs> highly recommend, because as soon as I got on it, I found myself suddenly able to do something I had never done before, which was not only begin projects, but finish them. Um, I had had a long history of starting things and not following through because I would I would start things while I was up high and then I would crash and then I would you know abandon the project but um, I found that once I achieved essentially stability I was suddenly able to actually like work on myself and work on my stand-up and work on getting better and um, you know I, I definitely have a lot of dark humor that has come out of that and and certainly like I mean my, my stability in the time since has not been flawless you know i i have had interactions with other medications i've taken like i have to be constantly vigilant not to let it slip up right yeah. um and my mental health requires constant maintenance and, a, and observation mm -hmm. uh but you know i as for like 
my comedy, I mean, something that I think is perhaps interesting, I'm not sure if this is interesting or not, uh, is that one of my one of my favorite words is the word logoria, which is... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, it sounds like diarrhea. Out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's, but see, it, it's diarrhea of the mouth. And so, so logorrhea is, is the clinical term for the symptom of bipolar disorder, which is when you're having a manic episode and you talk too fast, right? Oh, and, okay. And I genuinely think that I acquired the ability to talk super fast and figure out that it was funny from having actual manic episodes. So then I kind of like channel this thing that I have experienced into my standup and I talk super fast and people like it. So, you know, I mean, people admittedly, any way you slice it, they like it when I act a little unhinged on stage. Right. And yeah. and the only reason that I'm able to channel being a little unhinged is that I indeed have been in my life somewhat unhinged. So, you know, the, the Psychobabble show was put on by my friend Jessica Rin. It was a really, really good show. Um, some weird dude like stole it from her after that, which was really not right. Uh, but uh, on that show, you know, I, I did much more personal material about things like um, experiences taking different medications, experiences with side effects, experiences with, you know, suicidality and that kind of stuff. And to me, you know, I, I never want my standup to be like a sob story. I never want it to be something that makes people feel sorry for me. It's important for me to understand or for me yeah. to, to know that people who hear it understand that I'm laughing at myself when I talk about it. Like, I think it's funny that I've had these experiences and I, I'm able to laugh at them. So like, it, it was not, you know, it was a dark set, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that would have made you feel too bad for me. I hope. I okay. Know. Yeah. I imagine you seem very skilled with it. So even like finding that balance between like dark or too dark sort of thing, I'm, I'm confident you were able to find it. That's just my impression of you as a comedian. You seem very capable. You seem like, yeah, I'm sure it was a great set. Well, it's like, I'm, I'm someone who struggles with anxiety and depression and I'm on meds too. Yeah. Um, which have done wonders for me as a performer, honestly. Yeah. Although I still don't wear my glasses when I do stand up because I don't like being able to see the expression on the audience's face. <laughs> so yeah. maybe it's not working. <laughs> but I yeah, <laughs> I think like, I think part of it too is there's so much about having like mental health challenges that on one level they're real to you but also on another level you know that they're completely absurd mm -hmm. so like if i'm like having a problem and i'm like super anxious that someone's judging me about something super trivial like on one level yes it sucks and it impacts my life on the other level the fact that i'm worried that the lady at dunkin donuts is gonna not like me because I ordered my coffee a certain way. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> it's like a funny concept. So it definitely, yeah. like, at least, I, I mean, I agree with you. It definitely informs it to a certain extent. And it also feels like the trade-off is completely worth it as far as, like, the needing to be super vigilant in your lifestyle for the sake of, you know, being able to, like, do comedy and, like, complete projects and be able to function the way that it sounds like you're functioning now. Yeah, and I mean when I say that I'm mindful of it, like sometimes that means also taking a break from something or taking a step back from something or, you know, especially like I think with online comedy, 
sometimes it it has meant like disengaging from communities just because they're too stressful to be in or they're like setting me off you know mm -hmm. um but i i just i think if if i were not a little bit neurotic and odd and you know bipolar or whatever else you know because i i i don't need to go down the roster but it's it's mm -hmm. it's a whole kind of amalgamation of things um you know i i think if i were not that way i wouldn't see the world in such a unique way and i wouldn't you know have the creativity that i do have but that creativity has to be tempered by like frankly sanity like i have to be mm -hmm. sane if i'm not yeah. sane i can't i can't function and i think a lot of people romanticize this like tortured artist archetype and yeah. <laughs> and they want to be tortured and and they think that they can't be funny if they're not miserable and that's definitely not the case it's quite the opposite in almost all cases yeah no i always i always think of like um that elizabeth gilbert ted talk where she's like uh why did we become comfortable with this idea that if you're an artist you are just like mentally tortured and that's just the way it is yeah like have our greatest artistic minds just like always self-torturing themselves and like ugh. It's sad. And also something you see all the time in the kind of comedian community. It's like, I feel like it attracts a lot of people um, with different mental health issues. I mean, obviously, there are people who do comedy who are mentally well. Yes. Um, but also, <laughs> there's, there's, I think, like, something about you that, like, has to be a little bit off maybe just for you know all the risk and reward that goes with like doing a set in front of an audience and like you could have that show bomb and it completely fail or you get the incredible high of like if the audience does receive it well right yeah. so. and i mean if you do you you also another thing that i think is really really important is caring for yourself surrounding shows and surrounding even open mics um what i what i would say like when when people ask me like how do you prepare for a show or something like that um i personally i try to have my set ready like several days prior if i can which is difficult for me as a person who's like not super good at planning and and as a person who's like not um generally very organized like i try to i try to always do that so that i have the day of the show to just like take a long shower and like get my lipstick symmetrical and like, mm -hmm. you know, pick out an outfit that is going to make me feel like myself and like do, go into all of these, these steps to like get in the right headspace more, more so than even looking at my material or thinking about my material. Cause like, I've already done that part. So I have to do the sort of mental maintenance to like prepare myself for like, this might go well, this might go badly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, you know, either way you're going to be okay. And then afterwards, you know, you have to, if you, if you bombed, like you, you can't go home and drink. If you bomb, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna hate yourself and you're gonna be a sad drunk and it's not gonna be good. But you know, you, and similarly, like you can't let it go to your head and go totally off the walls either. If you, <laughs> if you kill, yeah. you know, like you, you really just have to control your emotions to a degree. I think that some people at least I do. I don't know. Maybe maybe other people can ride those waves more, but like I have to be very mindful of what kind of mental state I am in and and monitor that and and make sure that I maintain that as well in conjunction with doing 
the set. Yeah. So. No, I totally get that. I feel like when I do stuff, I have to like mentally prepare myself to have the same reaction whether the set kills or not. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like, that's also like a little bit of it too, is like I try and just like frame it in my mind in a way where I can have some distance from it. Um, yeah. Where it's like, well, then we're just gonna work on those jokes later. And it was the joke's fault. That was past Tom's fault who wrote the jokes, not present Tom's fault. So we're gonna ignore that. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that's that's cool. I appreciate that uh, that insight because uh, it is something that I feel like gets ignored about in comedy a lot. Um, but also, let's talk about the more recent shows you've been producing, the outdoor shows uh, with your friend Jordan Harris uh, as Buxom and Body. Um, so yeah. I'm really curious, just because like at least it feels like around here, stills are things are still in the process of opening up. Um, so I'm curious if there were any challenges that you encountered, um, with the logistics of doing the outdoor show or just like producing a live show period in the midst of like still kind of being in a pandemic, you know, either yeah. technically or through its reception. Um, well, there have been a lot, I mean, I, <laughs> I could go down the list. <laughs> the ways that it has been difficult to produce shows during a pandemic um <laughs> so i'll i'll preface with the fact that um things in utah have essentially been open since like may of last year yeah so things essentially have not been any different for most people um and I, I try not to say that judgmentally, but, <laughs> but like, I personally have been, you know, avoiding human contact as much as possible, which, you know, some would say, oh, easy for you. You're an introvert. Right. <laughs> but, but it's not easy. You know, like I would love to go out and just do whatever the hell I want. But to me, there's an ethical imperative to make sure that events are not going to result in somebody's death. Like, I, I don't think that any stand-up is important enough to kill somebody that's my opinion so so we started doing these outdoor shows and um the the first obstacle i would say was was just finding a venue with outdoor spaces in the winter because we started in cool. november yeah um mm -hmm. so we did a show in november and a show in january and both of them were outdoors and we did them at a venue with outdoor heaters and tents and open like big open sides on the tents and um all of that but the 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 real story here the best story anyway that i can possibly tell you is on our second show our headliner had covid <gasps> oh no oh boy so hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Let me explain. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. I'm no, just no, like, I'm it's horrified. Funny. It's funny as fuck. No, it's not. But I, 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 have, like, I haven't like told this story like publicly because I don't want to like incriminate him. Laughing into the void exclusive. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. But what happened is this. So a very good friend of mine who was in from out of town, he stayed in town for an extra month to do this show. And he he told us like a week before the show oh i may have been exposed right and this was in january when it was like everybody was constantly like oh i may have been exposed yeah. i may have been exposed 
you know, and, and we had like concrete evidence of like how he could have been exposed. And it was like also through mutual friends, of course, too. So I, so I couldn't really be like, like, uh, you know, but, um, so he, he told us he was exposed to it and then he was not sick at all. Um, but he got, he got three tests over the course of the week. We, we kept making him go get the tests. Um, all of his tests were negative. Um, he started to get sick the day, the night before the show. Um, and he, uh, he told us the next day that he wasn't sure he was feeling so hot, but that he had also been hanging out with some people who were sick with something that wasn't COVID and he had no concrete symptoms of COVID. So we said, okay, go get another test, please. So he went and got another test on the day of the show. He went and got a rapid test and it was negative. Now in hindsight, the mistake that we made was letting him go on at all because if we had known he was exposed and that he was sick with anything, even if he was negative, 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 we shouldn't have let him go on, but we let him do the show and the next day he tested positive. Oh no. Oof. And uh, also though, I feel like I can't even blame you though. Like if you get like, if you're testing that much and you have four almost yeah. consecutive tests saying yeah. that you're negative and yeah. then you test positive, like that's just like, that's fucked up. That's bad luck. Yeah. So what happened was, first of all, everybody freaked out um right. you know naturally <laughs> um but the only people who were really in his vicinity because of how we had executed the show the only people who had really been like maskless anywhere near him were me and my husband who had been doing sound and and my friend who was producing the show uh was fully vaccinated by that point in time because she's a nurse so um we were thankful for that um so i was naturally very concerned that i would get it um and i did not uh, my husband did not get it either, and we had to implement our entire contact tracing plan, uh, which was a very unpopular choice because the thing about contact tracing is nobody actually wants you to do it. Yeah. Nobody actually, <laughs> nobody actually wants to get the call. Hey, it's it's kind of like like when you get like a herpes call. Like I don't know if mm -hmm. either of you have ever gotten like a herpes call. No, you not know? personally. No. Not yet. No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just an analogy. But, yeah. If people you know, got calls for herpes, it would be like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like a herpes call. It's like, it's like, oh, by the way, uh, we can't really tell you how this happened or like what the deal is, but somebody where you were has it, you know? So <laughs> we had to do that. Um, and people were not happy. I believe that cost us our first venue because they didn't uh, want to deal with it. Um, and then subsequently yeah. everything was fine. Like literally, like, okay. So this is where I'm going to brag. Like, because of how safely we did this show, literally no one got COVID from him to our, well, that's good. Yeah. Like yeah. literally no one. And, and that's unbelievable, including the people he was like staying with. Oh, wow. So, I don't know how that's even possible, but COVID is a mysterious illness. That's what we know. Yeah. Um, but then, so so we moved on to a different venue because there was some weird stuff going on with the first venue. With, after that, it was kind of weird vibes. Um, so we do we do a show outdoors at a, at a new venue, and they're like, you know, after our most recent show, they said to us <coughs> um, that I hope they didn't lead with the cough. No, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just try. I am. No, I'm you're almost, good. I'm almost vaccinated. Let's just say. <laughs> Um, I'm getting my second shot this week. So oh, yay. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so they they told us then that 
you know, our numbers were not high enough to justify using their outdoor space, but they would offer us another show if we did it indoors, right? Before everybody's fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, co-producer and I are both by that point in time going to be vaccinated. But the point is, it's not about us. Right. The point is, it's about everyone. It's about if the show is endangering anybody at all to an excessive degree, there's no point in doing it. And we're talking about, you know, after the mask mandate is lifted, we're talking about like all of these, these hairy factors, you know, and we had to turn them down and say, we, we won't, we can't do that. Even though we both will be vaccinated. Like, you know, there's a difference between doing indoor shows and putting them on when your state is being reckless and, you know, not everybody is going to be able to be safe. Yeah. And that's the main thing. It's like, unfortunately we're in a place where we can't necessarily trust our local agencies to do what is best for public health and safety versus like right economy capitalism i gotta get back to work um which like like, i'm sympathetic realize how hard those choices are right now oh sorry tom i just talked to no i was i think uh kind of talking in line with uh, what you're going to get into which is just that like I am very sympathetic to the other side of it though which is like people need to pay bills and they need to go back to work right yeah definitely what were you going to say Ross uh, I was just going to my obligatory sidebar shout out <laughs> my, partner, my partner owns a um, bar and music venue right now and he has not been open for over a year yeah um because there's, it's in a basement, there's no ventilation, like it's just not right. safe. But at the same time, there's been like no real like efficient help from anyone yeah. to stay closed. So mm-hmm. it's like yeah, like a full-time job just being able to get the bills paid because it's like, you could make, I mean, like I, I have a lot of sympathy even for places that aren't making the best choices because it's like, there's no good answer if you own a venue death by covid or death by hunger for not being able to buy food (laughs) like yeah yeah and it's like it's like a a friend of ours owns a bar and they were doing like very socially distanced stuff and they're upstairs and uh everyone had to be masked when they were walking around everyone was seated all that they had a covid scare there so they had to close again Mm -hmm. and then they reopened on a patio, but they're getting noise complaints from having a patio open. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. it's like, I, I really applaud you for, for making those hard choices. Cause I think a lot of people don't really see that that kind of choice is existing out there and how hard it is to know what to do the right thing, like what the right thing to do right now is. So Well, and, and they're hard, like they're hard choices in the sense that at this point, I feel like, huh. excuse me um i do not have covid um this is it's it's like (laughs) at this point i'm i'm just so sick of it i'm so sick of having to make these decisions and having to like i feel like burn bridges almost Mm -hmm. because i'm not like i'm never saying you know oh i don't understand where you're coming from by having indoor events i do like i get it you want to keep your business open you want to do that kind of stuff but um it just it's just that like you know, my, my friend and I who produce shows together, we're, we're not making a living doing stand-up right now. We don't have a venue that we need to keep open. Like we, we started our production company with a certain sort of mission statement in mind 
and the goal was for it to be you know comedy that's not going to kill you yeah. and <laughs> ideally yes ideally yeah but but even even doing our very best even having our headliner get tested four times in one week yeah still happened it yeah. still happened like and yeah. that's that's the thing about it you know it's it's so just impossible to avoid the risk and and it's impossible to be perfect and it's impossible to um to 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 guarantee that these types of things can't happen you know yeah which hopefully is the other side of it too is like when and it seems like uh at least from what i've seen that as a country we're hopefully starting to you know round the curve that you know the bridges that maybe you feel like you've burned are not like permanently burned i feel like a lot of people i know i will be giving a lot of like grace to people for like we're just gonna pretend 2020 didn't happen like <laughs> come to me anew yeah. we're gonna yeah kind of yeah. like <laughs> for sure i mean if, if someone's gonna be everything. mad at you for like making a safe decision like i mean come on yeah like, but that sounds like that was like the challenge with yeah. the show <laughs> it's been yeah. one challenge after another with <laughs> shows during covid to be honest but but to yeah. the other part of that question uh when you were actually getting to do like the live outdoor show yeah what was the reception like i imagine like people were excited hopefully for live comedy you know yes. to come back yes mm -hmm. um all three of our shows have gone really really well we've had i'll say between 50 and 70 people at each of the shows oh wow um, that's good wow. which you know, which requires enough space to space out that many people, of course. And that's like 25 that. zooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the hardest part, aside from avoiding the plague, is hearing laughs outside. You know, that's kind of tough, but like it's worth it. You know, it's, it's, it works for me. Yeah. Um, our last show was really, really lovely in the back of a really good venue in Salt Lake that I, would love to go back to. <laughs> if you're know. watching, uh, yeah. I mean, you, heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> no, that we've told them that via email. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's probably but, a better business plan than yeah. expecting them to somehow end up watching this or listening. Yeah. I'd appreciate the extra view, but otherwise, I could send them a link. <laughs> like, hey, hey, Urban Lounge, we liked it. Please but, don't. You know, Please don't. Um, yeah. I wouldn't want to endanger your chances. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think the biggest thing, if I if I may say so, is it's been interesting going back to live shows. As I, as I mentioned, very few people in Salt Lake City have done online at all. Yeah. So you have the community kind of divided into people who have not done it in a year and people who have been doing it all year, but I, either I maybe started there or yeah, I don't, I don't. It's it's hard for me to politely explain this, um, but but anyway. And then there's <laughs> me, right? And I'm yeah. in this place between where I'm. I've been doing online for a year, and everybody thinks it's a joke, and everybody thinks it's bullshit. But I show up, and I know how to do comedy still, so they can all blow me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I hear that. <laughs> it's not the same for sure, but it's definitely still exercising a lot of the same muscles, I feel. Um, and I have a year's worth of new material. 
Yeah, I got so many pandemic jokes. (laughs) Probably haven't murdered anyone with a disease. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's oh, hats off to you. For oh, that. My bare hands, no. Just with laughs. Uh-huh. I feel like no one dies is like the lowest bar you can set for comedy. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh... And then once you jump over it, it's all like you've passed all expectations. You're good. So. But yeah, I think, you know, the Zoom thing does not translate 100% to real world comedy. I will be honest with you. It doesn't. Like the the discomfort that I have felt with being on stage, like physically, is to a degree back more so than it was certainly. I mean, like, like I was basically over my stage fright when the pandemic started and it's kind of back, right? Like I get nervous. I, you know, don't have the best memory of what happened on stage, but I have my material and I still had that to lean on. And I have a bunch of new stuff, whereas other people who have not done it in a year don't have that and they're out of practice and they're rusty and they're on stage apologizing and and i i'm not apologizing i'm good you know yeah it's good yeah Yeah. and it yeah it's hard too because yeah comedy always has like that little bit of like um almost a competitive element to it too it's like all right and comedy is not the only thing also like in context of the pandemic, I'm also probably going to see like a lot of friends from the theater company that I used to work for and be like, oh, okay, who got out of shape kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, who got out of comedy shape almost. I mean, I got out of shape in other ways. That's definitely. <laughs> Didn't we all, sister? Yeah. I can no longer tackle a flight of stairs, but <laughs> what I can tackle is our last question of the evening. Ayo, transition! Oh, good transition. And, like, we're still, like, happy to, like, keep chatting or whatever afterwards, but, um, again, the first and last question are always the same for our guests, um, but the last question is kind of, what's up next for you? And that's both in the context of what's coming up that you'd maybe like to plug, and, uh, what are your intentions with comedy as far as, like, is it a career for you? What are, like, the long-term goals? Okay. A lot of big stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll start with this weekend. This weekend, T.L. Devaney and I and a guy named Elliot Rose, whom I do not know well, but he seems great. <laughs> we are between the three of us, but with T.L. as the host, we are starting a late night show, and it's going to be called Off Night. Uh, we were supposed to start it a couple of weeks ago, but there were some issues and we had to postpone. But we are doing it for real this Saturday. Whether or not I am dead from the Moderna second dose, I'm going to be there. So that is if I am physically vomiting, we're just going to laugh. Like it's yeah. whatever happens. If I have to do it from my bed, I'm going to do it. So <laughs> off night, come check it out. TL's hosting it. It's his invention. It's going to be great. Um, it's going to be on comic comedy on Twitch. It's our first kind of flagship show that we're going to be doing. Um, and it's going to be a weekly late night show. Um, it's going to be at 10.30 Pacific time, which is very late on the East Coast, but it's, you know, 11.30 Mountain, uh, 12.30 Central, 1.30 a.m. Eastern. But it is, I mean, it's a late night show. It's a half hour. We do need people in our Zoom audience to laugh so that we have laughing people there. Um, and then the goal is to have this on Twitch and eventually acquire audiences who are not just people on Zoom who are already do comedy. Yeah. And their moms. Um, and their moms. <laughs> My mom's not on Twitch. 
yet. Yeah. <laughs> neither, neither is mine, to my knowledge. But she is on OnlyFans. Ayo. Oh, oh my god. We've got OnlyFans, then it has nothing on it. But <sighs> it's funny play on the word district. Yeah, it's dick strict dick comedy. Strict comedy. I, just, I had to, as soon as the idea came to me, I was like, I just have to acquire the name in case somebody else takes it. <laughs> I also have an account on there that I acquired to do comedy shows. And I, I had to like do the whole approval process to get it and like send them <laughs> send them my like picture of my driver's license and all this stuff. And I had to like send like pictures of myself, which I thought was a little weird. Um, <laughs> to compare to your driver's license photo, maybe. Well, you shouldn't compare the two because, <laughs> but uh, they did approve me. I thought they rejected me because it went to my spam. So like for like a week, I was like doing a bit about how I got rejected from OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> it turned out it wasn't the case, so. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Redacted. I got right. approved. So we got uh, that oh, show? Yeah, so so um, Off Night, not OnlyFans. I almost said OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> off Night, check it out. It's not on OnlyFans. It'll be on Twitch. It'll be on twitch.tv slash comic comedy. And also we need people in the Zoom. So if you want to get in the Zoom audience, just message me. That's how we're doing it. Um, and other than that, though, um, I have a devious scheme okay. to move oh. somewhere soon. Uh, and the place <laughs> that I'm going to move is New York. Oh, oh okay. yay! You'll have so, to deal with our Eastern time. <laughs> yes. And I will have to deal with being back on the East Coast and I'll just have to like, you know, process my childhood traumas. It's fine. <laughs> It's probably healthy. <laughs> yeah. Having done so a little bit already is what has enabled me to make this decision. So <laughs> I am going back to the East. Uh, my husband and I are working on it. It's a work in progress. We have set aside time this weekend to specifically work on it. I'm not talking about it too much until it has already happened, just because I don't want to be one of those people who's like, I'm moving to New York. And then like three years later, I'm still in Utah. I know a lot yeah. of those people. Oh my god. That I feel like we got so many exclusives on this episode though. Yeah. And the yeah, intention behind that is like uh for like pursuing more comedy, having more opportunity or are there us also other reasons to come back to New York? I mean, that's really the main reason that and bagels. Yeah. That's yeah. true. They do have good bagels there. Yeah. That and like being like among other Jews, I don't know. Are there, <laughs> are there like I've never lived somewhere where other Jews were. It'd be interesting to be <laughs> in a place where people don't read my name and then tell me the first Jewish joke they can think of. <laughs> oh man. Oh my that'd god. Be nice. But anyway, so that's that's one scheme. I don't know. Maybe I'll hate it, maybe I'll leave. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I'm not really talking too much about it until it has happened, but that is the plan. Um okay, and cool. my husband would like to do UCB mm. over there because he is he does stand up and improv both, but he is a very proficient and talented improviser and he should do UCB. So just like us with our background yeah. in improv, we yeah. are also very highbrow humor. Um, no, it's, it, yeah, it's funny you say that. We just talked to Emily Page last week and she just did the oh, program nice. at UCB. Um, so uh, she's doing like online uh, connection. Uh, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, I would like to keep producing. I, I really like producing. I really, um, it's funny. Anytime I'm producing anything, I feel like somebody comes to me and they're like, they're like, you know, you could just focus on just doing shows. You don't have to produce things. And I'm like, no, but I like to, I, like, I want to, 
I've just mm -hmm. been, you know, weighing my options in terms of like what is productive to produce right now. Um, so I'd like to do that once I move more so keep doing stuff with Buxom and Body probably remotely to a degree. Um, we intend to keep that going as long as we can. Um, because if I can leave, you know, a womanly imprint on Utah comedy, I would like to do that. And um, ultimately, I think I, ever since I worked in a comedy club, I've been scheming to open a comedy venue. Oh. Yeah. So, because I think I have great more taste. More woman-owned comedy venues. Yeah. And, and I just think, like, I just get really sick of going into spaces that are run according to other people's logic, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. I, I would really like to create a space in which my logical womanly brain makes the decisions. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, and of course I would collaborate with other people who are not so logical and not so womanly, but <laughs> ultimately I really like curating stuff. I really like producing stuff and I would just like to do stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm excited to hear that. I'm excited to, we're going to hang out when you're in New York because yeah. DC's close enough. Um, yeah, we're like, and also, in DC is like four hours away. So yeah. I'll also say, because yeah. my fiance works in food, we also have a long-term, like when we've retired dream of like opening a little comedy place. It's like the first floor is a restaurant and the second floor yeah. is like the theater. That's, that's, that's our plan. Maybe we can collab or something. But um, yeah. that being said, I'm going to spotlight myself again. Again, real quick as I take us out. All right, everybody. Woo, 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 woo. That's all the time we have for today. Um, I want to thank you, Rachel, for being such a great guest and hanging out with Ooh. us. Uh, really good topics we talked about. Uh, but you can find her on Instagram at the underscore comedic underscore stylings underscore of. Um, thank you, Roz, for being a great co-host. As always, big thank you to you, our audience, um, like, had to really focus to look at the camera for that one, um, for watching our program. If you enjoyed the stream, please consider making a donation or following us on social media. You can find the links to both of those in the episode description. Um, again, for what Rachel just said, it was late night show off night this Saturday, comma comedy on Twitch at 1030 Pacific. And um, if you like this show and you want to tune in next week, we'll be interviewing comedian Bob Rose. So... Make sure. Oh, next week wanna... it's Bob's. Oh, I'm yes. so excited. For that I, one. Uh, okay, sorry. I, no, I just I thought I sent you the schedule. I was kind of surprised at how surprised you were. It's fine. <laughs> um, anyway, have a good night, everybody. Right. Bye. Bye. Woo -woo 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 -woo. Bye.